Welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the 2024 Olympic Trials. And we are continuing our Boston Marathon preview episodes with Nico Montañez. Nico, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate you having me once again. So always a pleasure. And we were talking recently because you were in the uh, the New York City half, crushing it with a 63, yeah. finished very well in that race. And we recorded just a few weeks ago. So people want to learn more about how that went. You can hop back into the archives. Not not go very long. So about three episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we uh, we talked a lot about training then. So um, we're not going to kind of you know rehash the same conversation or the same questions that we had last time. With that said, this is not going to be your first Boston Marathon experience, and you had a pretty unique one last time around. So tell us about your your 20 – we talked about this a little bit, a little bit in our first episode, but not a deep dive. So tell us more about your 2022 Boston Marathon experience. Yeah, you know, I remember getting off the plane. Uh, I want to say it was Thursday. We got in Thursday, and my coach, Andrew – Took the same flight, uh, got to our hotel room, and we went for a jog. And I needed to really use the restroom, like really bad. Um, it was really abrupt. And I remember going to the port potty and using a restroom there, and everything was okay. And then um, after that, I just kind of took a took a downhill spiral. Um, couldn't really hold anything in. I, I thought maybe I just caught the flu, but uh, I had an infection um, in my mouth, and I. I think it was two nights before the race i was chewing on something on, on this left side and i heard a break i got something broke you know some, something chipped and uh immense pain and i called up andrew it was probably closer to 9 p.m and we need to find a dentist immediately um so yeah i went to the dentist had an emergency root canal and, and that was well he didn't finish the root canal he did part of the root canal because he said i wanted he wanted me to race and i wanted to race too so i said let's do it let's do half the root canal and then we'll worry about the rest uh, another day. So yeah, that was it's quite uh, quite a journey. So I have so many. What is it? What is half a root canal? I mean, they're doing <laughs> like they're only filling up half of the root, I, and they like top it off later. Like you fill up like I'm thinking of like you know you're pouring like a beer into a glass. You fill yeah, it halfway, so, let the foam settle. You pour the second half, or is it like mm-hmm. they did like half the tooth? Like they did like the starboard side of the, the tooth, <laughs> the tooth, like I the think, port side. You know, a couple of days later. Yeah, he so he cleaned out the infection, which was the most important part. Um, so I could definitely feel the effects of that. Um, I think what half of it, if I'm not mistaken, was like just putting a like cap on it for now, and then he would fill it up later to like where it become the permanent. Uh, cap. So we just had like a temporary on there. Um, but man, that was, a, it was just a long night. And I just remember thinking, uh, like, how cool would it be if I can place in the top 10 still? Like, I still had this, like, dreams and hopes of this is just a cool story. Like, this won't face me. Um, but, you know, I caught a We fever. should have done this last year. Oh, this would have been great. We followed you along <laughs> last year. This would have been <laughs> It would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I just, oh man, it was, it was, uh, it was, thankfully the dentist I called was right across the street from the hotel, from the Fairmont Copley. So it wasn't a, like a big stress to, um, to get there at all. What the biggest stress was finding a 24 hour Walgreens that would give me my prescription, uh, for an antibiotic. And, um, between antibiotic, between my infection, between me catching a fever, I mean, I was taking antibiotics to help the tooth, and 
um, I just couldn't hold anything in. On top of the finding out that I had, I was gluten-free uh, three weeks. It happened three weeks before the race. I, I don't know. Probably more than that, but I, figuring that out too wasn't fun because uh, I, all I was eating was breads and all type of gluten or type of flour uh, options. And then I, yeah, so I don't know. I was just, I was a mess at Boston. <laughs> so you had an emergency dental surgery or dental, you know, I don't call it surgery, but it's something similar. And run antibiotics yeah. for the yeah. race. Mm-hmm. That's quite the one, two punch. This is Saturday night. Yeah. So, or Friday this, night. Ha- this happened probably, I think Saturday so- night and we were done with the tooth. So I could have gone to bed a great time, but then we still needed to get the antibiotics. And so we coach and I called an Uber. We traveled to that, well, it was like we were two in the morning, you know, I was up two in the morning. And I was like, well, I guess I could sleep in. You know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was a oh mess. my God. So, yeah. all right. So once you're like, all right, it's not just the tooth here, which is obviously bad enough. Right. And I can't even imagine being like, okay, and now I got to suck down gels with like an exposed mm-hmm. <laughs> nerve in my mm-hmm. mouth. Like mm-hmm. there's like these sugary gels, like, you know, <laughs> penetrating, yeah. penetrating your tooth. But the the antibiotic piece, like, had you run on antibiotics before? I know I have. It is not a fun experience. Like, it, like your, yeah. your your body is just sapped from energy. I had no idea. I had no idea. I, I just knew that the dentist told me to take it, and I just followed his recommendations. Looking back, you know, I I felt like I still would have taken – I don't know. Um, because I needed the tooth to heal. I needed the infection to heal. Yeah. And, um, you know, Ray, my agent after the race was like, I don't know how you did that. Like I raced before on them too. And I don't know how you crossed that finish line. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was detrimental for sure. But I remember talking to my sports psychologist and I, before the race and he was like, well, we can just turn the page or you can let this define you. And I was like, Oh yeah, let's turn the page. Like it's just that easy. Right. Um, but I, yeah. you know, antibiotics in my system now for at least 24 hours. So I lasted to about 16 miles in the lead group and then, um, you know, faded, but I, that gave me a, it gave me a lot of hope and it gave me a lot of fear too. At the same time, it was like, I never want to go through that again. You know, I thought Boston beat me up. I didn't think tooth gluten-free, um, and antibiotics, you know, I thought this was like Boston, the course beating me up, not the other thing. So I really had to take some time to like reflect and be like, okay, some people were even impressed that I finished. And I was like, well, yeah, duh. But um, I had to. So it's just something that I've always wanted to, like, even if I have a bad time, I want to finish. So, yeah. So were you able to gather intel from the course during that experience? I can help you this time around. Um, yeah, like I was pretty shocked with the, honestly, even past through half marathon, how downhill it is. They say that it's a net downhill course. And I know it is. I looked at the, the course, but it's pretty crazy to see it or like to feel it firsthand. Um, it's really downhill. And so, uh, it's pretty bizarre. And so if you're not just like careful in those first, 10 miles or so you can really not be ready for those newton hills really that's basically what it is if you can get past those newton hills feeling pretty good i think you're golden let's talk about that because i think people approach the beginning of this race differently 
and it's not even related to fitness. Like there's some people who are very fit who will bomb that uh, first yeah. 10K. And there's other people who are very fit who, who are conservative and, you know, all the way up to like charity runners who take different approaches, right? You see a lot of people approaching that first 10K differently um, and prioritizing it in the scope of their entire race in a differently, in differently. So how do you think about that first 10K and why and what informs that decision? Yeah, I think one thing that my coach, uh, he preps me well by saying, like, be light on my feet. He's like, when you're running downhill, I want you to have, like, almost minimal footsteps, you know, no noise. Um, so really, I'm just thinking about conserving that energy because, you know, after 20 miles, it gets really difficult. But especially at Boston, um, like, if I can last that long going downhill, if you will, for 16 miles, then... Um, yeah, it's a lot of downhill to deal with. So just, just approaching it and just being light on your feet. And yeah, everyone does have a different approach, I, I suppose. Um, but the hills will make you pay. So unless you've really practiced it, I, you know, I don't recommend it for sure. So when you think being light on your feet, does that mean that, um, that that necessitates you going faster. I know for some people doing that, like basically increasing their cadence, going with the hill, basically taking like a no yeah. brakes kind of approach to it. Or do you approach it differently than that? Yeah, I guess for that's a good point because um, people can perceive it that way. For me, it's just like uh, really driving. But uh, at the same time, like it is kind of like counterintuitive being light. But I'm actually like kind of slower in a, in a sense. Just like watching my every step being like uh, mindful where I place my foot. And then just kind of connecting to that ground and like just being one with it. So I'm just trying to like, it's like this whole whole thing with me. So yeah, just trying to be light, but not fast as you're just like letting it take you, you know. Now, how have your long runs looked over the last six to eight weeks? Now, we were talking offline um, about some of them. So can you walk me through like how you prepare for a marathon from a long run perspective? Yeah, so we do we do every other week, like every other week is a fast long run and then the other week is a slower type of long run. So, um, the one I think I did an interview here, like right after New York. Um, and then that week, I think that Monday, we switched them to Monday now, um, just to kind of like get in the groove of things. But that Monday I had the last faster long run and it was just two hours of, um, of marathon effort. And we, we figured out like, okay, 4,500 to 4,600 feet. That's maybe about 520, 515 if you're feeling good. But really, again, it's about concentration and about getting all your fluids in. Um, my teammate was with me, so he was a tremendous help. Um, but I ended up averaging faster than I ever have for two hours, um, which was awesome. I averaged 513 over really rolling hills, um, and I made it 23 miles. So I was... I think my teammate told me afterwards I was on pace for just a sub 217 if I would have continued on. Um, so what we do is we run like out one hour and then flip, see if we can come back. Because it's a pretty hilly terrain uh, that we run over. All road too, so uh, that definitely helps. Um, but I just felt like I felt really good. And even when I was uh, clipping off some of those 513s, I was like, I can go faster, but I want to save some for Boston. Um, so what I decided to do is push the downhill portions really hard. Um, so I would go about sub five on those and then fall right back into like 520 pace, 515. So something that it ended up averaging out. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to push the downhills. 
because last year's DJ was the uh, the commander um, pushing those downhills, and I remember what that felt like. Uh, and you know, so like I just I remember that feeling, and I was like, I don't want to feel like that again if I can help it. Um, so yeah, that was that was a really uh, stellar workout, and I think I got in about let's see in the hour mark, I got in a little over sixty. 65 or I don't remember now 65 or 70 grams of carbs so they say between 60 to 90 per hour I want to be on that higher end if I can because I want to be able to to have some legs left in and later in the race you know I I definitely think that's the key so that was another part of me where I was like I don't want to go too fast so I don't want to kill this workout and then be drained and then what if I can't take my gel so um, yeah, it was a lot of things going on, um, uh, for that long run workout, but I was pretty happy with it. And then ever since that one, we put that to rest and we would just been going easy, uh, which is like 630 to 645 pace, uh, over hilly terrain, mostly dirt too. So, um, yeah, just working the hills really. All right. Let's talk about the nutrition piece, getting in all of those, those carbs. Are you taking, you mentioned the gels. Is it predominantly gels are you taking um liquid nutrition that also add to that or how are you mixing in you know the the different elements that that are at your disposal yeah so okay so i do i i'm up to seven ounces now of my power bar mix um so i'll do every 5k i'll take the seven ounces and at 15k i take seven ounces and then at uh, 17k which is 2k later after the seven ounces that i just drank i'll take a 40 gram carb gel um and then i'll and then i'll and then i'll do the bottles again and then 30k is where i take my caffeinated power bar uh gel as well so i practiced all that um just like i had practiced in chicago and it worked out really well and i was happy that i was able to stomach it that was the biggest thing too i was like okay maybe we can push just a little bit more um uh, in terms of uh, nutrition, because uh, that's just so vital. I think it's so crucial, especially running that pace. You want to know, like I think during the downhill portion, when I had split a sub five minute mile towards like mile 18 or 19, um, I like purposely waited to take my gel to see what that would feel like. Um, and I don't know if it made a difference, but for me, I wanted to be able to get the gel down and be comfortable with it. Um, so I taped my gels to my bottles so I'll drink the seven ounces, rip the gel off, and run with it for about two or three k before I, um, before I take it down. Um, but yeah, the goal is to be on that higher end of sixty, maybe seventy grams per hour if I can, because we're 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 working out there. So uh, I don't want to be caught off guard at all. Yeah, and it seems like when it comes to to carbohydrate mm-hmm. intake, it's kind of like take as much as you your stomach can handle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'm I'm so thankful that I'm able to stomach what I'm able to stomach. Um, and I look I look at past marathons. All I did was bottles, and and I would do five ounces. And the, and let's be honest, like you're probably not getting the full five ounces because you're you're running, you're like it's falling out. So I, out of the seven, I might be actually getting five. So it's important to to take those gels to kind of if you can stomach it well. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's just a crucial aspect of the of the running now yeah that's a really good point now you mentioned the terrain that you've been running on have you are you running in mammoth i mean we know like you guys are measuring snow by feet up there not inches <laughs> um you know danny moreno was just on the podcast earlier today talking mm-hmm. about like 
her coach has never prescribed more treadmill workouts in a marathon <laughs> prep in his entire life. He's been coaching for decades. He's never done this before. Uh, this poor, poor Danny Moreno. What a year to, to, to switch from the trails to the road. It's stuck on the treadmill in Mammoth all day long. Um, what's been what's it been like for you in terms of training um, outside and, and making it happen? Coach, the Mammoth Track Club, Andrew, does a phenomenal job driving us down every day, about 30 minutes down the grade. And we, we go to these places that are 4,500 feet to 4,000 to train. So we're out of the snow. We're so thankful. We might get pretty heavy rain or some sleet every now and then or some really bad winds. But I'll take that over the snow any day. Um, and then for my doubles, which are in town, if the roads are clear, I will go out. Otherwise, I'm stuck to the treadmill. And I've gotten, actually, I've gotten used to it, thankfully. So it's actually not that bad. Uh, but... Yeah, I would say, gosh, if I'm doubling six miles, yeah, almost or well, less like 30, 40, 40% of my mileage is on a treadmill. So it's a lot. Yeah. So do you have a treadmill where you live or do you have to go to like a, a fitness center? I have to go to a fitness center. Andrew um, and Dean open up their home when they can. Uh, they have a, uh, a woodway and I've actually grown accustomed to that. Mm. So I've been pretty spoiled. <laughs> Yeah, those are nice for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that's great. Good for you guys. Um, yeah. All right. So obviously the train is going well. The, the New York City half was was a tremendous success. You just mentioned this long run that you did um, as evidence, uh, further evidence that things are progressing well. So from a race strategy perspective, how much of what you're aligned, how much of what you're thinking about doing aligns with your fitness level? and running certain paces with certain time ranges in mind and how much of it comes down to racing yeah i think for me i've been checking the weather weather almost every day and that i'm trying not to let that dictate my pace you know i have this like like i would love to run uh 208 um i'd love to you know i i really would uh weather is going to be a big factor of that and i more or less think that the group of people are so talented that people are going to be able to do that on Monday. Um, I think for me, I, I have to slowly detach from that though and just get out there and race. And that's why I like CJ so much is he gets out there and he just races. Um, and maybe he does have a, a time in his mind too. I'm sure we all do, but I like more of that race aspect because that's how I approached New York. And because uh, the time certainly wasn't fast, but the racing was there and I was really proud of, the fight that I had in me. So if I can bring that same mentality, I think the other things will follow. Um, you watch like a guy like Scott Fauble last year, just how efficient he was and how such essentially perfect. And he was able to dip under 209. Like that's a great like person to look to. So I think anything can definitely happen regardless of the weather. Um, we just have to be ready to fight. Uh, and so like, that's kind of the mentality I'm going in is like, this warrior mindset of like, I know that there's so many guys under 207, I think it is like 13 or a handful of them, you know, but, uh, I respect all my competition, but I, I'm here to race too, you know? So. And when does that mindset really click in for you? Is it something that you start, you're at the starting line and you're like, this is a race or is it more of, you know, at mile 10? All right. Now we're starting to jostle. Like obviously the earlier miles aren't, 
the, the, the necessity of racing those and yeah. competing with people isn't, you know, isn't nearly as important as you progress through the race. So what's that evolution like for you from a mindset perspective? I think it happens. That mindset really develops. Every, slowly it's developing each day. I kind of progress towards one day. But I say it'll definitely, it always develops for me after I talk to my sports psychologist the night before the race. So I'm kind of amped up before I go to bed. Um, but then you're right, uh, I'll kind of try to harness it or try to like hold in, um, you know, the warrior type of mindset. Um, but just know that I can access it anytime I want. So it's just kind of like the click of a switch. Yeah. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like 2018, right. You see the breakaway, like very early on, right. Like in the rain. Right. And they got end up, end up winning it. Right. Which was like a, yeah. mir a miracle situation. Uh, and obviously a confluence of events with all the weather, but you know, you also, I was thinking about like, all right, so say again, whether it's CJ or, or somebody else, you know, they take off at 10 K like, is that, is that inherently different for you than if, a pack of people that you associate yourself mm -hmm. with like, all right, these are my peers in the race. And I, and they're starting to break away at like mile 13. Like, are there certain points in the race where you're more inclined to either go with a break or create your own than, than others? So last year uh, we were going over the game plan, even though we still had the infection and whatnot. And Andrew told me, he said, if more than one American goes with that lead pack, you're, you're going. He's like, I don't like, I don't just tell you this to like blow smoke, like you're fit, you go. Um, so I would, just, I would assume that the same applies here. If it's just kind of one American, I'm, you know, great, you know, but if it's multiple, I want to be in the mix. You know, I definitely don't want to be finishing going, oh man, I, I was sixth American today. Like I really didn't go for it because I was like, I had a fearful mindset. Um, so I think it is going with that breakaway pack. Um, I think we are capping it though. And like, if someone, if the group top group goes out in like 62, okay, no, I'm, I'm for sure. I'm backing off. You know, I, you gotta know your place too. So, um, so we're capping around cause I came through last year in 63, 45, even with the infected tooth, I was like, okay, this, this is hard. Um, but I, I can do this type of mentality. Um, so somewhere around there, I'll have to kind of, that's where like that warrior is like, okay, Warriors are also smart and they know when to budget their energy too. Yeah, I love that. So when are you flying into Boston? Friday afternoon, Friday evening, yeah. Okay, so what does the weekend, so what does Saturday and Sunday hold for you from a sponsorship obligation perspective, from different things that you're doing, and also uh, in terms of just how you like to approach the weekend before race? Yeah, I have one. I have to go to the ASICS house on Newberry Street uh, Saturday evening. So I'm really happy about that. It was going to be Friday evening, so I was going to have to rush from the airport and somehow run and somehow figure out food. Um, but now that's all taken care of. So I'll go Saturday night. And that's, um, with, and that's with my buddy Kafuzi, right? Yes, yeah. Kafuzi is yeah. uh, hosting it, so he's he's awesome. Um, so I'll do that Saturday night. But after that, I'm, I'm pretty set. Uh, they have a lot of good runners. Thank goodness. I don't have to be anywhere <laughs> for the rest of the Boston weekend. Uh, yeah, I'll see, see if I can hit up a massage from like one of the Boston uh, therapists, um, but mostly just hanging out with my coach and my girlfriend and my teammate. My, my teammates are in the 5K, so I'll go out early and cheer for him, and um, then I'll send them on different errands so they can I can be a diva and sit in my room all day. So. <laughs> 
I like that. All right. So let's talk about like the day before, the night before, um, just from a logistics perspective, it doesn't seem like you have to be really on your feet very much. That's for sure. So are there certain things that you like to do, say like the night before a race from like, let's talk about like the food and then like the night before, just in terms of like leisure. Just for an example, Danny Marino was recording with her earlier today. You know, she was, she, first of all, she was excited because even though Adidas is sponsoring the race, Adidas Terex isn't. So she has no <laughs> obligations at all, even though she's an Adidas awesome. athlete, which is hysterical. Um, but she was like, all right, these are the movies I like to watch the night before a race, mm. right? That, that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. I'd love to know about the food and just the okay. lounging around part of it. So for me, it would start with, uh, let's see, the race is Monday. So Sunday, Saturday. So it start with Saturday night. For me, that is like I will take a heavier dose of melatonin or I will do my meditation and I'll try to shoot for almost 10 hours of sleep that night because I know Sunday night is going to be really difficult. Like I've been through this before. I'm nervous. I'm tossing and turning. Like it's just kind of like this whole process for me. So I make sure that um, again, I'm with the melatonin and or I'm doing my or a mixture of both really. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll almost wear myself out so I can purposely just sleep. And and then I wake up feeling so refreshed, eight to 10 hours. I did that before in New York and I felt felt amazing. And it was really hard to go to sleep the night before. Um, so I'll do that. And then um, I always watch like, I always watch an uplifting movie. Um, I like to watch a miracle a lot uh, with Herb Brooks. <laughs> like, said I'm, the same thing. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you yeah. guys should get, get a movie theater. All y'all can watch it together. Yeah, we should go. <laughs> that's a really funny. Yeah, um, you know, but but I probably won't watch it only because, so I've been on Apple TV a lot watching a show, or sorry, not Apple TV, um, HBO, but I've seen Creed. I've oh. seen all of the Creeds, but I'm thinking about going and rewatching them, so I might save one for the plane, save number two for Saturday night, and then definitely save number three for Sunday night. But just something that's like really uplifting that overcome adversity. So I'll definitely do that. Um, trying to convince my girlfriend to bring her Switch so we can play some Smash Bros. So I can just lose oh. them a little bit. You know, I don't know. All right. I, I don't know if she wants to bring it or not. But but yeah, I, you know, it's funny because like I'll be like, oh, I need to go to CVS. I forgot something. And then Andrew be like, oh, I'll go for you. Just stay on your feet. And like, but I like to get out sometimes and just walk, you know, because I, right. I can't be in my room cooped up like only going to dinner like i need to go walk even if it's even if it's just to buy a gatorade even though i get free ones in the hospitality suite you know like i just need to go do something uh, maybe we'll hit up a church uh the night before two nights before the race so something i need to get out personally and um i know they have dinners there for like all the athletes but i need to go and be separate like my thing's chipotle the night before the race so i love it i love it. all right race yeah. day morning there's certain certain you know breakfast that you're having, certain music you're listening to on the way to the start line. How does that work? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I listen to the same guy on YouTube. Uh, his name is Eric Thomas. He is of course a the hip hop preacher. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, uh, inspirational leader. So I'll listen to him. Maybe some of, some of the stuff that really digs deeper into my heart because he just talks about, about a bunch of different things. But I'll probably replay the same video. Um, have my headphones in and then um, I'm eating oatmeal pretty standard it's a nasty oatmeal too the one you put in the microwave and that's that you talked about being a cement that's really cement but it I looked at the nutritional label 
and it's like 33 grams per packet. So if I eat two of those, I'm topping off my carbs. Plus I have my my power bar drink that I'm just sipping on throughout the whole car ride over. So really like my I'm like overflowing with carbs and it's like I'm topped off. <laughs> so that's that's what I I try to aim for that. So even if I couldn't do oatmeal for some weird reason the morning of the race, I would find something that's just heavily carved uh, with my drink mix and uh, just making sure all my levels are topped off because I don't don't want to hit the wall. <laughs> I love it. All right. I know we talked shoes last time, but uh, are you still going with Asics Metaspeed Sky Plus? Yep. Yep. I actually have them here. Yeah. We're going with, with these guys here. Uh, one for oh, okay. um, one from New York. So uh, they've been good for me. I like them a lot. You know, I've been using um, the Edge Plus a lot because the other Skies I've been only using for practice have been pretty much done for me. And I'm noticing a big difference in the edge, and I almost want to switch to the edge, but I don't want to switch to last minute. So what I think I'll do next year, or for my next build-up, is use the edge for my faster long-run workouts, see if it actually is more of my my style. Okay. Uh, but I noticed I've been going faster, and I'm, it could be it's probably the taper, but uh, you know I don't know, <laughs> just something to think about. Well, I have I have seen like the uh, the pictures that you're not supposed to see. On Instagram oh, okay. of like the next version <laughs> of the A6 Metaspeeds, which look absolutely fantastic. So who knows? Maybe, maybe you'll be have a, a very different choice ahead of time. Um, it's not like when you see like the uh, the Nike Alpha Fly 3s are out. People see all the pictures yeah. of those. You yeah. see the new A6 Metaspeeds that are going to be coming out. I think the like the Salking Endorphin Pro 4, I think I've seen some, oh, wow. some prototypes of those floating around too. So I love to see like, all right, what, what are people going to be wearing, you know, next fall? Yeah. Or who knows? Maybe the, the, the next marathon for you is going to be the trials after this. But either yeah, way, the last right. thing we have to talk about is you got a new addition to the race day <laughs> kit. The mustache. What's going the on mustache. with the mustache? You know, I I can't say it was one thing. I just, like, yeah, people, like my mom hates it. A lot of people don't like it. But, you know, I... <laughs> As Dina says, I'm growing on my manhood, finally. <laughs> well, you know what happens is that if this race goes really well, that thing is here to stay. I mean, that thing is going to have, like, squatter's yeah. rights if this <laughs> if this race goes awesome. For sure. Yeah, no, it's just kind of like a something new, something different. I, I get bored during the taper. I lose my mind. So, so is it staying that... on for the race, or is, this, or is it going to get trimmed? I haven't decided that. I think oh. it'll stay. I think it'll stay on though. I think it'll stay on. All right. Yeah, that's I, the thing. Yeah, is that like we'll if it stays on, like you're basically saying like I'm in game. I'm, I'm like, you know, proposing to the mustache because this goes well, <laughs> we're we're in it for life. You know, I'm surprised I've even been able to grow this and this isn't really anything, but it's a start, so <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's great. Nico. Thank you so much for sharing your training, your your race weekend logistics, and the mental side of things as well. As always, safe travels to coming this way to New England, and mm -hmm. best of luck for you on race day. Thank you so much, Matt.